0: Well, these last few weeks here in the village have been uh, full of lots of sounds. Big sounds, little sounds, subtle sounds. There was the sound of the three-day Labor Day Music Festival. There are the ongoing sounds of school buses every morning and afternoon. The diminishing sounds of traffic as off-season creeps upon us. The sound of hot air balloons overhead. Even the sounds of squirrels making strange noises, telling other creatures not to get near. But there's one sound that has been going on that is hard to hear unless you've been paying specific attention to it. That sound, the sound of heavy hearts. You see, over the last few weeks, parents all over this community and country have been saying goodbye to their kids as they head off to college. And for sure, most of us in this position are grateful, excited, and hopeful in the midst of this life passage. We know many of our kids are getting an opportunity that is not a given in this country, let alone the world. But that said, I have spoken with a bunch of parents who in the midst of their gratitude are feeling sad that their kids are now in a different phase in life and what was will never be again. Many of us have been flooded with memories of our children growing up and the delight of those years. All of this points to a six-letter word that is a universal human experience, an experience that occurs across all of humanity. That six-letter word, that experience, change And as I think about change, I realize there are some changes I deeply appreciate in life, like getting out of school, getting married, having children, living in different places, having new friends, exciting new adventures, getting back in shape after being a couch potato, and of course, the seasons of the year. Living here specifically in this valley, in the Rocky Mountains, through each of these four seasons, we are reminded that change is inherent in God's creation. Said another way, God creates change. Everything changes. There is no such thing as no change. It simply does not exist. This in part is why it's invaluable to spend time in in the mountains, in the desert, and by the sea. Each setting is a, a living testament that God created everything to change. I remember standing on the coast of California on a bluff, there was a small sign that read the spot you were standing was 375 miles to the south, 29 million years ago. (laughs) And certainly change can happen in the blink of an eye or over the course of a very long time. Goodness knows, what if everything was, was uniform? What if there were no undulations in the hills? What if waves didn't move? Or what if all leaves were exactly the same color forever? Sounds not only stark, but rather dull to me. I am really glad God created everything to change. Well, sometimes. Frankly, I feel... Quite the opposite. I don't always have an easy time with change. Some changes make me sad or nostalgic or fill me with a desire to open scrapbooks with old pictures. Some changes I, I grieve over continually. My parents are gone. I've lost friends. People I have loved are nowhere to be found. Favorite spots to hang out are long torn down and the people that fill those places have Vanished. There's a country song titled The House That Built Me. It's about a grown woman who goes to visit her childhood home that is now occupied by someone else whom she visits. Here are some of the lyrics I know they say you can't go home again, but I just had to come back one last time. Ma'am, I know you don't know me from Adam but these handprints on the front stairs are mine. And up those stairs in the back bedroom is where I did my homework and I learned to play guitar. And I bet you didn't know that under that live oak tree, my favorite dog is buried in the yard. If I could just come in, I swear I'll leave. I won't take nothing but a memory. Indeed, change is part of what it means to be human and is an inherent aspect of life on earth and creation itself. So I have to wonder what if this was not the case? What if things did not change? What if the way we thought about something never morphed? What if the challenges and heartaches we have never went away? What if we did not learn new things, develop new skills, have new friendships, or become wiser over the course of time? What if we remained five years old or 75 for our entire life? What if we all had the same conversation over and over and over again, wore the same clothes or saw the same sights without variation? What if we ate the same thing at every meal or lived with only one, and only one never-changing emotion? Now, none of this is to say that all change is good, far, far from it, but can we really imagine life without change? As I've thought about it, perhaps the cost of being a human being is change itself and all that it means, good and bad. I don't know who said it, but someone once said, God loves us the way we are, but too much to leave us that way. And it's crystal clear God wants us to grow, to become more mature, to become more expansive thinkers, to become more loving, to deepen our relationship with God, our reliance upon God, and as a result of all of this, to be different tomorrow than who we are right now at this moment. And if you look at Scripture, I can find not one single story where God says to a human being, you are perfect. No growth, no change needed. And it's important to point out that every person Jesus encountered either changed or was primed to grow as a result of time with Jesus. In fact, Jesus was and remains the penultimate change agent remember three women named Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Susanna were freed from their afflictions and were changed as a result. A guy named Matthew is in a profession everybody hated. We can be sure that as a result, most folks were not thrilled by his presence, yet he meets Jesus and his life is fundamentally changed from the core. The same is true of Paul. A vicious, overly self-confident religious fundamentalist whose life was completely changed as a result of Jesus. An astonishing astonishing life-shifting change because of Jesus happened to Peter and Thaddeus and Jesus' mother Mary and Elizabeth and countless others, thousands of others. Following Jesus means we change. Think how your life is different because of your faith. Ponder how you have been changed by Jesus over the course of time. And if we take our faith seriously, change happens. Faith compels us to change from one moment to the next. Our reading today is the full and complete letter that Paul wrote to a fellow named Philemon. Now, Paul liked to write letters to the Romans, to the Corinthians, etc. And Philemon is the shortest letter of Paul's that we have. It is short, but it is potent. Now, as an aside, before I get into the letter, I want to point out that Paul is a master in how to approach somebody with a difficult subject. Basically, Paul points and puts what points out and puts what needs to be addressed with a person within a broader context of all that is right and good and to be celebrated. It's a great reminder to all of us in our own relationships that when we have a, a tough subject to get into with another person, it is so incredibly helpful and kind to place the issue we want to raise within the context of all that is right and good and the way it should be. Here's a really stupid example, but you can apply it to big things using Paul's principles here. You know, you are so loving. I really appreciate all you do. I appreciate you cleaning up. I appreciate you fixing meals. I appreciate you saying all the nice things you say all the time. It means so much to me. Thank you. And it would mean a lot to me if you could put the top back on the toothpaste too. (laughs) I'd be so grateful, and I'm so grateful for everything you do for me. Thank you. Totally silly, yes. But just think about that strategy. Putting something tough in the context of what is spot on and right and good is a helpful and constructive relational strategy, and Paul was a master at it. Back to Philemon. As we know, because the letter tells us, as well as evidence from other places, Paul penned the words we heard from a jail cell. We're not sure which town it was written from as Paul was in prison in a lot of different places. And Paul not only had a tendency to get arrested, isn't that interesting, we revere somebody who had a propensity to to get arrested. We pay a lot of attention to people, to this person who spent a lot of time in jail. We're not completely sure who Philemon was, but Paul had a relationship with him. And Philemon clearly had an important job. He was important to his community because we are told in the letter that people gathered in his house to worship. Remember in those days, no churches, no church buildings. People met in people's homes. And Paul sends the letter to Philemon, this guy of importance in whose house people met, but to people in the whole church, along with two other folks named Apphia or Kippus. Nice pronunciations today, Jackie. <laughs> in those days, slavery was widespread. Many people lived as slaves, and their owners had complete control over them. If a slave ran off, the owner would execute the slave. No questions asked. As a tragic aside, and, and this is so important for us to think about now, even though slavery is not an issue in this country, but as a tragic, other issues are, but as a tragic aside, over the course of time, people in the U.S. have used Philemon to justify slavery. Read the history of churches all over America using verses in Philemon to justify slavery. It was not unusual to hear people, and I remember people saying this, it was not unusual to hear people say, but in the Bible, in this verse, it says, Terrible example of what happens when we recite Bible verses to condemn people. Anyway, Philemon had a slave named Onesimus, and we don't know how long he was Philemon's slave, nor do we know for sure why they were separated. Some have suggested that Onesimus ran off, in which case Philemon could execute him with no questions asked. But regardless, Onesimus and Paul developed a relationship in which Onesimus became of great help to Paul. And it was during this time that Onesimus became a Christian. And in the letter, Paul asked Philemon to accept Onesimus back home and to accept him not as a slave, but as a fellow Christian. This is the most radical request possible. Philemon, Philemon, see him not as a slave, but as a Christian. In those days, slaves were slaves, owners were owners, and no one would have ever thought, ever thought, an owner should treat a slave as anything but a slave. It was such a foreign concept. This was the spirit of the time, so Paul's request was a huge one. He was basically asking Philemon to change his mind about how he saw Onesimus to change how he saw slavery. And to see his slave not fundamentally as a slave, but rather as a brother in Christ. And again, to understand the potency of what Paul was asking, we need to remember that his request to treat Onesimus as a Christian brother would have countered absolutely every social norm at the time. It is a radical request. Here's Paul's brilliance. In essence, Paul says, Philemon, you're a great fellow. You're such a wonderful Christian. You've done so much for me. I've done a lot for you. You are so faithful, Philemon. And is my Christian brother, will you accept Onesimus back? But when you do so, will you completely change how you see him and treat him and relate to him? Will you treat him as you would treat me, your Christian brother? In his letter, Paul points to something for each of us to remember in our own changing lives. Paul, in essence, says, Philemon, in Christ, you can make this change. In Christ, you can change how you see Onesimus. And it is here we get to the foundation of what we are to do and to whom we are to turn, when we are confronted with change or being asked to make some changes that are hard, overwhelming, or seem to be out of our reach. The Episcopal minister Barbara Brown Taylor once wrote in slightly adapted form, as people of faith, what if pride is not our biggest problem? What if the main thing we need to turn away from is not our arrogance, but rather our tendency to believe that nothing can change, that we will never change, that no matter what we say or do, we are stuck forever in the mess we have made of our lives or the mess someone else has made of them, but in any case that there is no hope for us beginning again, no chance for a new life. What if the main thing we need to turn away from is our belief that nothing can change? Well, given this quote, given that change is inherent in creation and what it means to be a human being, as I mentioned, given that God made us to change, given that God seeks continual change within us, given there is no such thing as no change, there is a question we each need to ponder. do we believe change is possible? Do we believe we are never, ever stuck? Do we believe there is always a chance for a new beginning? Do we believe in hope? And fundamentally, do we believe that in Christ that the changes we seek can happen or the changes that are thrust upon us, we can come to accept. Paul believed that in Christ, Philemon could move into a monumentally different attitude toward another person. So what does in Christ actually mean? When Jesus appeared to his followers after his resurrection, he said, you will be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit being the presence of God that is within you and within me. And when Jesus said, you will be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus used the word dynamis. Dynamis means power. Dynamis means to be able to do something, to will something, to have great possibility. And dynamis is where we get the word dynamite. Boom. Said another way, you and I are filled with God's dynamis. God's dynamite. God's dynamite is within us. And it is that power, that explosive, uncontrolled power of God not our own power that enables us to change. And that is what in Christ means. That is why Paul said, Philemon in Christ, Philemon through the power of God, Philemon through God's dynamite power, you can put aside every social norm, every way of thinking, everything people think about slaves, through the dynamite power of God, you can change your mind about Onesimus. And so I want to wrap with this. As I've said, change is inherent in life. It can be great, it can be hard, it can be tragic. But life would not be wonderful, would not be beautiful, would not be awesome were it not for change. I believe each of us in our journey in life need to work through what we think about change. Need to work and think about how we adapt to change. Need to think about and work through how it is that we embrace change or try to run away from it. And we need to do this work with God, with ourselves and with others. Personally, as I think about this, however, some hard, however hard some changes are, some in which I absolutely detest, I would not want things to never change because I know that in my life, all that is good, all that is right, all, is, all that is wonderful, all that I love, all those I love would not be part of my life were it not for change. We would not be here this morning if change did not happen. You are here as a result of change. Snowmass Chapel would not exist if it were not for change. If change was not a reality, we wouldn't be here. If nothing changed, our lives would look like an old slate blackboard in a dusty classroom with nothing written on that board. Change is a gift from God. It's like a piece of chalk that writes our story and then is erased to make room for a new story. However challenging it can be, I believe God invites us to accept that change is part of what it means to be a human being. That God invites us to make the choice, the daily choice, sometimes the moment-to-moment choice, to trust God through the changes we experience. To trust what Paul wrote one day in a letter when he wrote, God who began His work within you will keep on helping you to grow. And I believe God invites us to learn to live in the moment with God's help, not dwelling on what has been or consumed with worries about the future, but rather to live with a focus right now. And finally, I believe God invites us to ask for his power. God, give me your power, his dynamite power to fill us, to guide us, to lead us, and to help us. When we are seeking changes in our lives, or learning to live with changes that have come upon us. And perhaps there is no greater prayer about change than the one written by Reinhold Niebuhr that some of you know well. It is a prayer used in many recovery programs, yet is it applicable to people in all settings? And let us remember that this prayer by Reinhold Niebuhr was used by our troops who were engaged in bloody battle during World War II. That prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. And let us pray.